And so we were at the airport heading back from uh, Guatemala, and our trip leader, he keeps reminding us that we need to take water bottles out of our backpacks before going through security because they're going to stop you. They're going to stop you. And he's been reminding of this for the past three days on a on a eight-day trip. So the past three days, we've been hearing, you cannot have water bottles in your backpack as you go through security. Makes sense. So we're all going through security. We removed our water bottles, but there was someone who got held up um, in security. And it caused our flight, or it caused us to be about 30 minutes late to our flight. So we missed <laughs> we missed our flight because of the water, because of the stop in security and if come to find out the stop in security was due to somebody leaving their water bottles and there were seven water bottles in this person's backpack <laughs> seven water bottles how do you how can you not remember to take out seven water bottles and you know whose backpack this was in it was in our tri- <laughs> it was in our trip leaders no. and so the trip leader oh he felt shame he felt embarrassed and we made him feel that way and so we forgave him after we landed of course but we didn't forget we forsook and so i'm bringing it up now because that's a traumatic experience it's not really traumatic it was quite funny but i thought i thought um that was just great it was a great uh what do you call it S- not signal but oh man I, I lost the word. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's ironic. What I'm curious. For sure. Yes. Ironic. Yes. That's, that's, what I, that's a word. Irony. It's great irony that something like this happened. But it was hilarious. But another thing I wanted to ask was, how was your day? And how was your week? It's been seven days since I saw your face. It's been seven days. Seven long, long days since I've seen you, but... Today was good to answer your first question. Today was great. Went to church um, with the family. Went to Sunday school after church. Just a good time all together. Um, went and got Target pickup. Almost backed over a lady in the Target parking lot. She was walking down the middle of the aisle on her phone. And I only <laughs> saw her because of the backup mirror. She is, I can see her in the backup mirror, and I halt on the brakes, and she's like this, walking at me. <laughs> Didn't break stride. She almost walked into the back of our car. Oh, Crazy. man. Crazy. Just the, the state of our society is <laughs> desperate. <laughs> it's desperate. Um, That's an understatement. I think it is an understatement um, for so many reasons, but... Unfortunately, this is a one-hour podcast and not a 45-hour podcast. So um, earlier this week, though, uh, I believe on Thursday, uh, Stetson's daycare, something was up with their power. So they didn't have any power, water, or anything. So I had to stay home with Stetson while I worked remotely. And so that was... It was a fun time. I'll say that. You got to kind of juggle his schedule. You know, I'm looking at my schedule and there's, it's just riddled with meetings. So I'm thinking, you know, how am I going to be on a call and 
give him a bottle, put him down for a nap, you know, do all this other stuff. But he was great. He played, you know, on his own independently. He didn't really need me to to be there with him for a lot of stuff. So he's grown up a bunch. Um, and I was able to actually get a lot of work done that day as well. So um, I was thankful for that. I petition you to have many more stay-at-home days with Stetson. It was, look, it was a fun time. I'll say uh, something about, you know, mama not being there. It was like just the boys hanging out, you know. I mean, he couldn't really like, during my lunch break, if he was like five or six, we could just chill out and watch football. But he just kind of rolls around on the floor and plays with stuff. So I got to do that with him a bit throughout the day. Um, And it was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I told Molly, I was like, look, if you made bank, I would be a stay-at-home dad in a heartbeat. Um, Oh, yeah. But that's only one day. Obviously, it's a lot more difficult to do that day day in and day out. But So that was my Thursday. And then... Friday night and all day Saturday, I was at a bachelor party uh, for one of my really, really good friends. Um, And so he went to UF, but he also grew up in Milton. So had some folks there from Milton, had some folks that I know from Gainesville. So it was really a blast from the past through and through. Um, Got to see high school friends that I hadn't seen in in a real hot minute. Um, and the same for, you know, for guys that I knew in college. So, um, but that was up in St. Pete. And so there was a pool in the back and obviously a lot of college football on Saturday, a little bit of disc golf thrown in there. So, um, overall it was a really good time. That sounds like a lot of fun. What would you say was your favorite part about the bachelor party? That's tough. Because we did so much. But I feel like Friday night, it was kind of, you know, everybody got to the Airbnb kind of late. I was really, I was the second or third one there. Um, And I just, I went to the grocery store and picked everything up because everyone else was coming from Gainesville and getting dinner together. And I was like, look, let me grab the groceries. Y'all can Venmo me. Um, So I got to the house, started unloading everything. Um, But I feel like once everybody got there, just the next three or four hours, everybody was just like catching up with each other because we all hadn't seen each other in so long. Um, it was also just such an eclectic group of people um, that you got to spend time with each and every one, you know, catching up. So it was a good time really just hanging out and chatting with everybody. So getting that, you know, personal connection one-on-one time. Yes. It's like a prodigal almost. You go, you leave, and you return. That's right. And the return is like a homecoming. It's, oh my goodness, it's been so long, yet my love for you has only grown. Yeah. Absence makes the heart grow fond, I think is what they say. And if they don't say it, then you said it, and I say we start saying it. The only constant in life is change and absence makes the heart grow fond. (laughs) I think that's out of Judges. I think that's where that verse comes from. 
Is it absence or abstinence? Oh, great heavens. <laughs> I don't oh, have the answer boy. to that. <laughs> speaking, spe- speaking of judges and the Bible, um, here's what I did this week. I got to teach Acts 4, Acts 4 at Life Group. Okay. Um, we started the book of Acts. It's actually quite fascinating. I've never studied Acts in this kind of context, where it's through the book, and it's in the context of a small group of believers. And I've taught Acts 1, Acts 2, and Acts 4. And it's funny, when whenever you teach through this kind of book in a story narrative, it starts building on itself. So whenever I'm teaching Acts 4, these th- these themes from Acts 1 and 2 are popping up in my mind, and it kind of builds on itself. But I'll just tell you, Acts 4 is all my main idea, not that you asked, but it's about my week, so I'm going to tell you, <laughs> is praying, boldness, and generosity. We should live lives of prayer, boldness, and generosity. And that prayer, boldness, and generosity comes from a desire to glorify God. Um, you see Christians caring for brothers and sisters that are less fortunate, stepping up and voluntarily giving away their resources. So it's quite fascinating. And really, it shouldn't be fascinating. But because of the culture we live in, it is. And we often find ourselves thinking, oh, well, this was in the first century. Why? This doesn't apply to us. This was in the East Hemisphere. This doesn't apply to us, but quite frankly, it does. Um, So that was a challenging text, and it kind of goes into that that piece of my week kind of helps explain some of the other items of my week, one of which was my friend Evan and I Evan's a legend. If you ever have Evan Haynes, shout out Evan Haynes. Yep. Evan and I went to a, a pre-release documentary about dementia that my neighbor um, is doing her research in, and she organized this uh, big event at the historic Thomas Center in Gainesville, Florida. And so that time was on Thursday. We sp- it was about an hour and a half film. And then there was a panel discussion afterward. And it was quite fascinating because a lot of it was preventative. Like, how do we prevent dementia? How do we prevent Alzheimer's? And a lot of it was, what are some of the causes when you have of Alzheimer's? What are some of the causes of dementia? And what does that look like? So... We saw and heard stories from people who whose husbands were crippled, but they documented when this person could walk perfectly fine. And it takes you through the process from sharp brain to demented brain and kind of crippled in a wheelchair, can't move. Basically, their brain's deteriorating, their body is deteriorating, and they're dying. You basically walk through that whole process and it's just quite fascinating because then I watched a documentary on Netflix on Friday. 
called Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. And that's talking about what are some common themes of groups of people that are found to live over 100. And if we can't see the key connections between people who live to 100, people who are working to prevent dementia, where do those things connect? They connect and they often find themselves in faith-based communities. That's one of the key factors of living longer. Faith-based communities, nutrient-dense diets, and exercise. Because what those things do is they fire neurons off on your brain and it makes your brain work, right? Faith-based communities, you're going to have just the faith-based in general. You have to wrestle through new things. You have to wrestle through relationships because you're unified over something greater than yourself and you're going to have differences on a personal level. And so that makes the brain work, but also it brings a lot of joy. You ever been in a community where you're laughing? I mean, every every time I'm on here with you, I'm laughing my head off, Amen. if you will. <laughs> and that kind of stuff, laughter and joy, makes you live longer, scientifically proven, backed by data. And so all three of those, Acts 4, Dementia, and Live to 100, I thought was a beautiful uh, togetherness. I don't know what, unification perhaps? Mm. We're seeing that these faith-based communities, nutrient-dense diets, exercising 30 minutes a day, those things are working toward preventing dementia, living to 100, living lives of boldness, prayer, and generosity, and all doing all that, all of it, every single beat, every single move, every single action, every single word, out of a desire to glorify the Lord. Wow! <laughs> That's really, my week. It sounds like you've had a really educational week. Um, yeah. I have to ask, um, no love for Acts 3? I mean, you go 1, 2, and then 4. Seems a little odd. Are you picking and so, choosing what you want to study in the Bible? Are you so we have are you a great rotation the Bible of, with scissors? And, would you... <laughs> Would you let me finish my sentence? We have a, it's a great question that you ask. We have an incredible rotation of teachers in our life group. Um, aside from myself, we have Evan Haynes, who I mentioned the dementia screening before, and then a woman named Amanda Calkins as well. And then we have some volunteer teachers every now and then. And Amanda Calkins taught on Acts 3. And that's all about Peter and John healing the blind man. And it launches us into Acts 4, where Peter and John are in front of the Sanhedrin Council. Sanhedrin Council is the same council that uh, decided Jesus' fate, told the Roman guards to go crucify Jesus. And the uh, Sanhedrin Council found Peter and John. They said their boldness uh, surprised them and because of their boldness, they could see the power of the gospel through them, which is just a huge encouragement. The same people who crucified Jesus turns around and said, the two people who were preaching the person they crucified were so bold that they're not going to put them and sentence them to death. 
I just thought that was that's an act of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty, yeah, that's wild. But I love Acts three because without Acts three, we wouldn't have that story in Acts four. Well, look, I just wanted so to, to make answer sure, your question. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you guys weren't weren't skipping, you know, because no. it's crucial. You get the full narrative there. Oh yeah, we're going a chapter a week, which in my opinion is too much, too much content per week. I would love to break it up, do go deeper. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. For Acts, especially. Yeah, yeah. Well, what have you uh, what have you been seeing in the sports world? I've got a doozy for us. I'll tell you that much. Um, there's been a long-distance runner, if we can call him that. He developed a hamster wheel. And this guy's name is... Um, Oh, I had his name and I lost it, so I'm going to need to look it up. Riza Baluchi. That's it, this guy's name. He's Iranian. And he set out on mission to run across the ocean in a hamster wheel from America to England. Oh, this is a journey, I'll tell you that much. And he's been in cahoots with the U.S. Coast Guard for about seven years now. So he tried this in 2014. He was arrested. Ar- um, they arrested him? They arrested the guy because he did something about the Port of Captains area. And he broke a law. They arrested him for failure to comply. 2015, same thing happened again. All right, so we're in 2023. Riza comes out, builds a bigger and better hamster wheel to run from America, North Carolina, to London, or England. I don't know if it's specifically London. And Riza gets 70 miles offshore, which is a trek. I mean, 70 miles of running, that's three days. Yeah, that's thick. Um, and the U.S. Coast Guard finds him, and they take him out of his hamster wheel. Sadly, Riza went, did not go down without a fight. He kind of threatened to hurt some U.S. Coast Guard men. Oh. Um, he kind of threatened that he would explode the hamster wheel. Um, I, I would say <laughs> that is nothing to die over. <laughs> but I'm not Riza, right? I haven't been on a mission for seven years trying to accomplish going from North Carolina to England in a hamster wheel across the ocean. But I'm going to say this. I respect Reza's dedication and commitment. Um, I respect his uh, passion and drive. What I don't respect is his absolute disdain and disobedience to authority. What I don't respect is his desire to uh, disrespect the law, the U.S. Coast Guard's or any Coast Guards for that matter. But I'll tell you this, Riza, <laughs> he's built different. <laughs> I'll say that much. 70 miles in a hamster wheel across the ocean alone is built different. I don't know how many miles it takes to get from North Carolina to England, but I'm, <laughs> it's a lot more than 70. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah, and I think, oh man, 
I feel like, you know, he's already got a bad relationship with the Coast Guard, and it seems like they were waiting for the day when they could look through their knocks and spot that dang hamster wheel going across the horizon. Boys, we got him. <laughs> Can you imagine? Freaking pedal oh. to the metal. I want to be on that search feud. team. Oh, that is, well, it's, honestly, it's so sad to be two days in. 70 miles in two days is pretty incredible. Um, are we calling to defund the Coast Guard after this? Or what's the, what's the plan of action here? Uh, I think we leave that up to our listeners. So listeners, what, sh- what should we do? How can we be an advocate for Riza while also being an advocate for the law? Because to me personally, Riza hasn't, he hasn't endangered anyone. He's just trying to, he's just trying to complete his mission. <laughs> Go from North, North Carolina <laughs> to England in a hamster wheel. Man. I thought this was a free Can you country. Imagine? You know? <laughs> the man wants to go to dang England on a hamster wheel. So what? You know, Delta doesn't get 800 bucks for a plane ticket. Is that what who we're protecting now is big airline? So mm. that a bunch of more people don't go and build their own hamster wheels and the whole airline industry crashes because too many people are on hamster wheels going around? Rest in peace, fine line airlines. <laughs> Yeah, rest in peace, Fine Line Airlines. Honestly, this is a conspiracy like nothing we've ever seen before. And I think I've just uncovered it. <laughs> also, the fact that he is from Iran. <laughs> I mean, are we just going to gloss over that? Like, you literally split up Iran into two words. And the man wants to run across the Atlantic oh, Ocean. Yes! In a hamster wheel. Not swim. He does not want to swim across the Atlantic. Correct. Man. Well, we have Riza. What have you seen in the sporting world? I don't know if it's quite as interesting as Riza, because that man is an absolute legend. Um, (laughs) Earlier this week, I saw that the Tampa Bay Rays are planning to build a new dome where the TROP currently is. I think it's in 2028. Um It's going to be like $1.2 billion, um, which, I mean, you coming from Texas, I mean, that's small potatoes. I don't know how much uh, Globe Life was whenever they built it. I want to say maybe $3 billion, something like that. It's it's a nice facility. I don't know. Um, Ain't nothing but a thing. Ain't nothing but a thing for y'all Texans, you know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the current trop, without being too negative – it's the worst sporting uh, location that I've ever been mm. to. Um, just decrepit, I think, is the best word to describe it. So I'm super happy yeah, that they're you, getting a... What's up? I was going to say, you don't sound negative about it at all. <laughs> well, thank you. I try to focus on the positives. So. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a good team. There's a positive. That plays in a, in a poor uh, facility, unfortunately. But I think it would be great. They were thinking about putting it in Tampa, kind of close to the Bucks Stadium. But I'm glad they stayed in St. Pete because, I don't know, it's just kind of a, it's an artsy area. You know, that whole district right there by the stadium. Um, there's something unique about it being in St. Pete rather than in Tampa. Um, so, yeah, I applaud their decision to keep it there. And who knows, hopefully once they build it, it'll be one of 
MLB's great venues, you know? I believe in it. I haven't been to the new Globe Life Field, and I haven't been to the old Tropicana Field, but I have been to the original Globe Life Park, and that was just core memories. I haven't been to many MLB baseball games outside of that, though. I went to a Colorado Rockies game once. That was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I'm excited for the Tampa Bay Rays. Recently, they've had a good team, like you said. But, but, what better, how much better can you be when you have a good field to play on, you know? And, look, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll even introduce a a $1 glizzy night uh, like the Rangers, which would be... yeah. I mean, that'd be a lot more incentive for me to, to make the drive up there to see a game or two. So um, just the and idea of having must... the cheap hot dogs is, is pretty huge to me. Yes, and we should take this time to condemn the Texas Rangers for not uh, reaching back out to us about us being their bobblehead glizzies Yeah, for Wednesday night, glizzy night. We may just have to do a whole segment on all of the different companies and would-be sponsors that we've reached out to uh, because the, the numbers are in the triple digits at this point that we've reached out to. And I wouldn't even consider it ghosting because they just don't respond in the first place. So it's a shame, really. Uh, for some reason, they don't take us seriously, I think is what it but is. But what if we had our listeners reach out to them for us? A Sign little a word petition, of mouth. Perhaps. Yes. There's an idea. It's a grassroots movement. You know what I'm saying? So I know exactly what you're saying. Never know what happens when that fire catches on. So um other than that, I was watching the game, the Florida football game, Saturday night, and Ricky Pearsall had probably the dirtiest catch that college football is gonna see all year. I know it's only week four, but I'm already labeling it the catch of the year because the odds of someone, you know, recreating that or doing something better is pretty much non-existent. Uh, Mm. You have to go out there and and catch the highlight if you haven't seen it, but it was, it was spectacular. It made OBJ's catch look like, I don't know, like a five-year-old could do it. So who is OBJ anyway, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Some guy, some guy that caught the ball once, and he thought he was really good, but no one knows really w- what he's doing now. So that's tough. It is tough. It's tougher because <laughs> he had a lot of fame there uh, pretty early on, but he's kind of drifted off into the horizon, and everyone forgot about him. So, um, and then the last thing that I saw sports-wise was earlier today I was watching the Chiefs game and they zoom up to the box and Taylor Swift is up in the box with a red jacket, hoodie, something. Uh, So she was sporting the Chiefs colors and there's a lot of rumors flying around that she's been dating, hanging out with uh, Travis Kelsey, who's a tight end, really probably the best tight end in the league. Um, so I think that's, it's an interesting development because I don't think she's ever dated anybody from the sporting world. 
that's more of a Kardashian move. Um, she's mm-hmm. more into people that are in the arts, musicians, actors, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to hear, you know, in a few years, whenever she writes a song about him, I'm excited to hear kind of the dirt on him, uh, which I think everybody is, is happy about the relationship solely for that purpose. Yes, another thing that is wrong about Taylor Swift. Because her fans prey on the downfall of others so that they can somehow get music that spills the tea, which is not a good thing to do in the first place, about someone they don't even know personally. You know, here, here here's a crazy idea. What if Taylor Swift... What if a lot of the stuff she sings is actually not true? She uh, look, she has hordes of fans and they believe every word that comes out of her mouth. So at this point, she goes unchecked. You know? She could say her that, accountability. No, no accountability whatsoever. She could say Jake Gyllenhaal has, you know, 17 nipples and social media would go crazy believing her. You know, it's absurd that nobody's got this man's back through this whole thing. I'm still stuck on it. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe we need to get him in a fishnet shirt so we can really find out. He can expose the truth. And a lot more, probably. <laughs> Man, maybe that's who we need on the pod, is Jake Gyllenhaal. I think we'd get some views and some listens we would. if we were able to pull that off. So I'll reach out to him. Um, I've got his personal number, so I'll shoot him a, I'll shoot him a note. <laughs> um, so have you ever been golfing and felt like you were missing something? You have your golf clubs, balls, toilet paper, and some of you may even have a glove. But it still feels like there's something you're missing, doesn't it? That's what we, quite frankly, call skill. <laughs> and I know I feel this way all the time. You're missing skill, buddy. But with the new attachment, Glow Golf, you'll have no problem seeing where to hit the ball. With Glow Golf, you simply lock the attachment to your shaft and it shoots a laser on the point of the ball you need to make contact with. I use Glow Golf every round, and I've improved my handicap from 45 over par to 18 over par. Uh, use code GLOW at Flobo.com to get 18% off today. 18%, I get it, because there's 18 holes. Uh, but this particular product is, is pretty huge. I'm a big, um, I have a big issue with pulling my head, because I always want to see... You know, how far is it going to go? How how wide am I going to slice it most of the time? Um, but it's important to keep your eye, you know, just pick a dimple on the back side of that ball and just look at that through contact, maybe a second or two after contact. But this, this product, Glow Golf, it really helps you keep that in mind. So Now, when you're using Glow Golf, is, it, is there a consistent dimple? That it picks when you lock it onto your shaft? No, I think whenever you address the ball, it um, 
it just kind of stays in a straight line. I don't know if it's got the technology to choose a, a certain dimple, but if you're addressing the ball correctly, then it'll show you exactly, exactly where. Look, I don't want to diminish the product, but if you don't know, you're supposed to hit the back side of the ball. All that aside, it's a great product, okay? This is why. This is two weeks in a row, Brett, where you've talked bad and naughty about our sponsors. I'm not talking bad. Look what it's done to my handicap. And it could do that to anybody, you know? I was shooting, golly, I don't even like to talk about it. I was shooting in the 120s, and now I'm shooting in the mid-80s, high-80s, so... It's a lifesaver, really, especially if you gamble. I don't gamble, but if you gamble out on the golf course, you know, this is going to make you some money. It's a great investment. That's true. That's a good word. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see your handicap go from 45 to 18 to maybe 15, then 12, then eventually even par. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Now this week, we got no comments except a guy named Jacob Sparks, but then we responded. But he was asking the question, who advised this Javon Dexter to even sign the deal anyway? And that's a great question, Jacob. We don't know. That's what we're trying to figure out. <laughs> but let me tell you, let me, let me just tell you, the listener, a little something. If you aren't following us on the YouTube or on the TikTok, I'd encourage you to, because we post some funny content that's not just the podcast. Podcast is absolutely hilarious, but the funny content really comes into play when you're having a bad day, when you've just shot 45 over par at the golf course, and you open that app and you say, now that's funny. And no matter what your round was on the course, no matter how sunburnt you got, you can rely on us to provide you quality. Quite frankly, quality. <laughs> and so you can find us at, at Quite Frankly Podcast on the YouTube and the TikTok. And that's the plug because we need more comments. We need more traction um, because we want to impact the world. And that starts with you. So we charge you a challenge. Do you have anything to say? No, I mean, I think that's, I think that's beautifully put, you know, I feel like on YouTube, like and subscribe is what everyone always says, but not everyone tells you to go into the comments and interact with us because even though we're famous, we have a podcast, we're on YouTube, all this stuff, we love to interact with our fans and with the common folk, um, so whether that's on TikTok or YouTube, you know, leave us a comment and there's a pretty good chance that we'll respond to you. Um, and yeah, it just, it grows the community, right? We're trying to grow a community here and, uh, and just build each other up. And that all starts with you guys interacting with us. Yes. And it's purely out of a desire to love you generously and deeply. That's why we do what we do. That's who we are. And so, moving on, we talked about some reality television last week. 
So it brings up the question. We talked a lot about Southern Charm. We talked a lot about the OC, selling the OC. Talked about a lot about the Real Housewives of New York. Tell me what you've been watching reality television-wise. I'm very interested. <laughs> well, this week I got a heavy dose of Southern Charm and uh, Real Housewives of New York. Um, in New York, they're in, I think, Mexico. Um, and everybody's chumming it up, having a good time, you know. Um, there's this... this woman named Erin and she does real estate in New York. I'm sure she makes lots of money. Um, and one of the other ladies is, uh, she's named Uba and she is about six, eight, uh, African American. She is a very tall lady. Um, anyways, they all go out, you know, they're feeling probably a little tipsy and Uba leaves her phone in the Uber, which is funny. Uba, Uber. Um, anyways, Aaron gets it from the driver and just sticks it in her pocket. Um, but Uba, she, you know, she's acting so silly from the mixed drinks that she had that she doesn't even notice it. And so they hang out for two hours or so. And she starts looking around. Hey, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And eventually she starts to make such a big deal about it that Aaron, who was keeping it as a prank and was like texting the group chat from her phone, you know, all this funny stuff. Um, finally, you know, the gig's up. Here's your phone. I had it the whole time as a joke. And Uba flies off the handle at Aaron. They're all, you know... They're getting up, getting ready the next morning to go out. And she's got these glasses on, these big glasses. And Uba is like two feet taller than her. And she's just looking down on her. How dare you? How dare you take my phone? You know, my family could have called me. And she eventually takes the glasses and rips them off Aaron's face. And says, you take these glasses off when you're talking to me. And... It's honestly the biggest, it's the most drama we've seen all season, and I'm here for it. I think it's silly because it, it kind of ties back to the lady at Target almost getting ran over. Um, we're, we're all so addicted to our phones, you know, just the, our, whole, our whole society, you know. We're so addicted to our phones that we're going to have a, a mental breakdown here since I didn't have my phone for two hours. Granted, they're in another country, and if she lost it, you know, that would be unfortunate. But she's also a supermodel who probably has enough money to buy another iPhone. So um, that was kind of the first thing that popped in my mind. I was like, wow, this is good content. I'm enjoying this. But also, what does it say about our society that, um, <laughs> that, that we're so upset about somebody taking our iPhone as a prank? Um, and I, I mean... My grandfather, he's got a flip phone, and he's never been happier. So I think he's got it right, and everyone else has got it wrong, uh, because it just looks so cool. You know, when someone it calls does. him, and you just flip that bad boy out, and then you go to hang up on somebody, and you can just click with the one finger, flip it down. 
anyways, that's a it, tangent. But you know where I'm going with this. Our society is is degrading. Oh, uh, without question, right? We we associate technological advancement with uh, thriving and flourishing, when really that's an external force that's moving us internally to diminish and uh, decompose. And isn't that something, right? This woman, Uba, has, out of a lack of personal responsibility, lost her phone, and she's freaking out because someone grabbed it and tried to be a little silly with it. Right. That is a practice of religion around the phone. That is just fascinating, I would say. Quite frankly, it is sad, yes, for for Uba's sake, but not because Uba lost her phone. I am sad for Uba's life, really. If you were that distraught about a phone, I worry when a real problem arises in Uba's life, what's going to happen? But I don't know Uba, right? I don't know her. She could have all the resources. She could have her life figured out. Maybe it's just this one-time thing in the heat of the moment. Maybe. Maybe the producers told her a little something, something. Slid a little, here's an extra million dollars if you make this little blow up. You really never know who's behind the decisions that the characters on the television make. It's no, that's that's definitely true, and I I choose to believe that they're not the producers aren't you know don't have their fingers in everything, but um, I think they do. Some of the folks on Summer House, uh, I say some of one of the guys from Summer House, Luke, uh, in one of the reunions, he said that one of the producers pulled him aside and and told him to lie about some things and spark some drama. Um, but Andy Cohen was like, that's a ridiculous statement. But he also owns Bravo, so it's not a good look if that's the truth. So you never know who to believe, but I choose to believe that the producers aren't, uh, you know, making this stuff up. Yeah, I I want to believe that, and I, I also somewhat choose to believe it. But you mentioned this Luke thing, because I just watched this episode that you're referring to. And did you notice how they didn't actually address, they didn't come to a solution as to whether Bravo did pay or whether Luke just made that up? It's, it's so true. Andy's like, no, that's ridiculous. And then it just <laughs> it cuts, cuts, to it cuts to the next. <laughs> I'm at home, I'm like, wait a second. We're not going to investigate this any further? Yes. So I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what that means, but... Once again, not for me to decide. Now, I did watch the new episode of Southern Charm. And like I said, Southern Charm, top tier. I would say, here's a shelf. Here's Southern Charm. Here's everything else. I would say Southern Charm's just just a tiny bit above. That's fair. Now, there's this gentleman named JT who seemed to be in love with Taylor. And Taylor, as we know, is Shep's ex-girlfriend. And there was a flare-up, if we recall, with Craig and Taylor at the end of episode one. In episode two, this character JT gets introduced. JT starts investigating 
JT went to Roma, I believe, somewhere in the somewhere in the European continent with Taylor and a group of friends. They went together. But JT returns home, is at dinner, at lunch with a group of people, Shep, Craig, Austin, who is allegedly Taylor and Austin have been with one another outside of the marriage covenant they've been with one another (laughs) allegedly 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 and jt is basically interrogating shep as to why in the world would shep let taylor go in the context of jt wanting to pursue taylor he's basically what i got out from it was uh can i can i pursue this relationship with your ex-girlfriend can i I want to. Can I? That's what I got out of it. Um, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. Uh, I had some thoughts as I was watching it. First thought was, who is this JT guy? This is the first episode I've ever seen him in my life. And then the four of them sit down for lunch. And immediately, it's he's saying the most positive things about Taylor, like... It's almost like they've been in a relationship for like a year. Like, mm. she's such a catch. You should marry her right now type stuff. Um, like, you're never going to find ever another girl like her. And I was like, whoa, this dude's. this is so suspicious right now. And then he turns from that to, I mean, I think interrogate is a, a soft word for what he was doing. <laughs> it's like, dude, are you serious? Are you... You know, you're really okay with your best friend hanging out with her so much. And then he drops the bomb that one night Austin had some friends over and some female friends as well that included Taylor. And supposedly they had a bit of a a sleepover, I think is the phrase that he used. He (laughs) said, so Shep, you're fine with Austin having a sleepover with Taylor? (laughs) And that was, man, I looked at Molly and we were like, this dude knows how to be on a reality television show. He brought a spoon because <laughs> yes. he is stirring up everything right now. Um, but yeah, I think I think Austin's response to that, though, he didn't deny it. He said that it happened. Um, but he said that he fell asleep. He thought everyone had left his house. And when he woke up in the morning, to his surprise... Taylor had crashed in the spare bedroom. Uh, Air quotations. Air quotations on spare bedroom. So he was like, oh my gosh. You know, I went into my kitchen to get coffee and Taylor's like, hey, I think I'm going to head out. And he was like, whoa, I thought you were gone. So it's pretty obvious that he's lying and he's pretty bad about it. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know what you thought of that whole situation, but... Austin's, you know, Austin's always going to be Austin. Yeah. I th- I felt bad for Shep. And I realize that's a unpopular opinion because I don't think Shep is that great of a guy. Correct. Um so maybe I shouldn't. But whenever I also thought about you date someone for 2 years, you're in the mindset of marrying them, and then this guy starts coming at you with, "Are you okay with well, first off, he comes at him with, 
Why in the world did you? Why did you lose her? Why did why? Why aren't you marrying her? Can I marry her? I'm gonna I'm gonna date her. And yeah. then he goes into, oh, your best friend is sleeping with her. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not done healing, right? Hust. <laughs> Why JT, are you bringing this up? JT does not care about anyone's healing. Yeah, he's here. His for emotional JT. intelligence. If this is the <laughs> if this is the average emotional intelligence, he's about twenty feet below it. Um. So JT could learn a thing or two about emotions. I well, let me rephrase. Every single person on that show could learn a thing or two about emotions, and that's not coming from a that's not coming from a bad place. That's coming from a place that wants them to flourish. Yeah, yeah. But I think emotional intelligence is very important, um, and when you have more of it, it keeps you from dive bombing conversations like that, you know, because that was reminiscent of a world war two tactic. Mm. Can you imagine? I bet it would, but can you also imagine for years, women have had the luxury of brassieres fitting to match their body sizes and shapes. It's now time that men fight for equality in the fashion world. <laughs> Introducing Chucky's <laughs> new line of underwear. That have a cup size to match your body size and shape. These sizes range from 1 to 10. Much like a brassiere. So that your underwear will always cradle, lift, and support you throughout the day. That actually sounds quite nice. This product will also increase air circulation to keep you comfortable even in the hottest conditions. Give your front side the love it deserves and smash the matriarchy with jockey underwear. Get 10% off by using the code FLOBO today. And I'll tell you, I do have a pair of underwear like this. And I'm just, it, this may be TMI, but like we've mentioned the past few weeks, I've been on the pickleball courts. Some days I get heat exhaustion headaches. One of the fascinating things about this underwear is... I go to take a shower, right? You have to take a shower without clothes on. So I'm just setting up the story here. I have this un- jockey underwear on, and I look in the mirror, and this underwear is absolutely drenched in sweat, except, except where my 1 to 10 size rating is, right? My front, my front side is completely dry, and I'm telling you, I think it was like a miracle of the Lord. This product works, and it keeps you cool. I'll say that much. So, I have no pictures for proof, and you're not getting pictures from me for proof, quite frankly. <laughs> but I will say, by word of mouth, I would highly recommend. I think I played better on those courts because of the jockey underwear. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, I think it's just so cool that they're finally tailoring, you know, the product for, for men, the way that, you know, like your advertisement said, like the way they've done for women for years, they've catered to them, um, all throughout the industry. Uh, and finally jockey has said enough is enough. We're going to provide the same luxury to men, you know, adult men. And so, I'm excited to try this product out. 
I think it's quite beautiful that the women shaped and paved the path for the jockey to create such a beautiful product. And you said something about luxury, and that's quite frankly so true, because there are people that are less fortunate than us, less fortunate than some women that don't have the luxury. Even women, some women don't have the luxury of getting a brassiere in their size. And so, it, quite frankly, it's just, it's a beautiful pathway that the women have formed for us men to catch up to these days. We're yeah. just a little behind the times, that's all. No doubt. Um, and it seems like Jockey's really striving for equality here, so that can certainly be appreciated. Yes. Well, what kind of songs have you been listening to? And I'm looking for one specifically that really, really was on your mind, on your heart, on I've been your hips. Jam- oh, sorry. I, I've been jamming to uh, Stone's Throw by the Red Clay Strays. Um, they're based out of Mobile, and so they've got kind of that southern rock. It's not really country. It's more southern rock, um, but you can tell that it's got its its roots in, you know, Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, um, those type of vibes. Got a couple love songs, but most of it is just, you know, good old-fashioned southern rock that you'd hear, you know, in the 90s, 80s, 70s. Um, so yeah, my brother is the one who, who sent him to me. Uh, he's a talented musician. He's got a good ear for stuff like that. I, not so much. So when he recommends things, you got to give it a serious listen, uh, cause he knows what he's talking about and he didn't miss on these. So, uh, Stone's Throw by Red Clay Strays and go jam out to that one for a bit. I'll be checking that one out. You've done, you've gone really local the past couple of weeks with the Miami Gainesville band and now Mobile. It's quite beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you get a group from the Northeast or something like that. You know, there's no emotional connection to that. But knowing that these guys have played, you know, the Gulf Coast all up and down the Panhandle, feels like you got some sort of deeper connection with them. You know. It makes sense. It makes sense. I've been listening to a song called No Time for Shame by Ethan C. Davis. And I think if you asked me about this song two years ago, I would have said, that's ridiculous. That caters to this consumption culture too much but one of the things that I've been recently convicted of and this takes us back all the way back to our first episode about John Mark Comer is his teachings they teach that the the so often and in our lives uh, faithful following Christians or faithful believers of Christ we can we know the right stuff but when we do the wrong stuff, we hold on to it and we don't give ourselves grace because what grace allows us to do is recognize that through Jesus, we can be better. And what this song is accomplishing is basically saying, I've got no time for shame. I was made for more. I've just got to believe. And it's so easy for me as someone like me and you to know. We know that there's grace. Um, 
we know the right stuff to do, but when we do the wrong stuff, do we actually believe there's grace? And grace is just as essential to the gospel as is uh, you doing good things through faith, right? Not doing bad things. And I thought that was quite beautiful and a good uh, reminder that our graces, or we have grace, right? We don't have time for shame, right? We, we, we should believe in the grace that God has given us. Because when we, when we find shame in ourselves, we're also not believing in the grace that God has given us. Convicting for me. It's a great message. It's a, it's a really good message. Because I know me and you, we've talked about you know being the worst of the worst, being reprobates, and sometimes you get caught up in that. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good message. Well, Ethan C. Davis would recommend. you have any closing thoughts, sir? We're approaching an hour, but we're going to be under an hour. We are going to be under an hour. Um, and I, I think last week we were a few seconds over. So apologies yes. to the listeners. I know you guys only have one hour. Statistically, you know, studies have shown you only have one hour of free time. So if you weren't able to hear the last couple seconds of the episode last week that's my fault that's Bo's fault oh i think you feel the same way i just said that but i'm chief of faults yeah we apologize for that um but that won't happen this week and i can promise you that that's what i gotta say that's beautiful i couldn't agree more and quite frankly we love you deeply We love you generously. We'll see you in seven days. Now somebody give me my theme music.